Good morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Where are my Pats fans at? Where are my L.A. Rams fans at? Where are my Chargers fans at? Okay. <laughs> Where are my uh, Canadian Football League fans at? <laughs> so my... Uh, one of my dear friends uh, from my freshman year in college who uh, is, is here, he pastors Antioch, Sheffield, England, and we were hiking yesterday, and I turned to him, and I'm apologizing for our weather, and he just starts laughing at me, and he's like, this would be the best day in England. You know, it's, it's raining, it's 55 degrees. He's like, this would be amazing. And so I started cracking up and someone sent me this thing, this montage of different weather forecasters in Southern California. You got to check it out. It's pretty funny. Cold here in Hollywood today. Uh, we're having what they call a cold snap. It's so cold. I had to wear two tank tops to work today. It's, <laughs> the high today was uh, 55 degrees. Can you imagine? And everyone is freaking out. Last night, the local news here in L.A., the local news in L.A. is hilarious. We really have no idea how silly we would look if people in places like Milwaukee saw how we react when the temperature drops below 55. For the past 24 hours, this is the sort of thing they've been saying on our local weather reports. Are you ready for probably two of the coldest nights you've ever experienced in Southern California? <laughs> and look at the temperatures only into the 50s. Cold, cold, cold coming our way. Now the 3D over map shows very cold air coming into Southern California. That's very cold air we're talking about. Arctic cold. Beyond yeah, cold. Break. I took Ryder out yesterday and I forgot his jacket and I was like, we have to go home. We have team coverage on this freezing cold weather. It's about 48 degrees right now. The skies are clear. It is cold. And absolutely freezing. Five day forecast shows that we do have a nice day coming up here. And then look at this. It just gets really cold in the 50s. We're talking Arctic cold coming down from the North Pole. Very cold weather. Soccer practice tonight meant sweats gloves and earmuffs how long is this gonna last it's so cold out there the extra blanket the heater the dog anything you can do to keep warm snuggled how long will this arctic blast last so uh, please if you would just say a little prayer for us we're, we're suffering it, here it might have been negative 33 in chicago this week but we are experiencing an arctic blast so <laughs> grab your dog <laughs> snuggle um, Christmas before last, we went to New Mexico, and we were in a ski resort town, and it was disappointing because it didn't snow, so we weren't going to get to ski. So instead, we had heard about this national park called White Sands National Park uh, where, near an Air Force base where you could actually sled on the sand. So we went there. Here's some, here's some pictures. Here's me and Hallie. Give you a little picture of what it looks like. And then here's Stephanie. This is sand, by the way, that she's sledding on right there. We drive into the park. We go past the visitor's center, which is massive, and you can buy sleds. You can buy any beverage you want. There are tons of people, and then you drive in on these paved roads and park in a parking lot. So very civilized, but as we're getting out, my brother-in-law, who's with me, and we have all our kids, says we have to be careful 
and you have to get a point of reference on the horizon because it's very easy to lose your way in the white dunes. So he said, look up towards the horizon. At the end of the desert, you'll see the big mountains, and let's, let's find a big mountain, lock in on it, and a, a couple of other ones so we can always keep our orientation on where we are. And then he proceeds to tell me a very tragic story of a European family that was on vacation, came to white, uh, the White Sands, and parked, starts walking, but they didn't stop at the visitor center, didn't get a map, didn't have a compass. And as they're walking, they only had one little bottle of water. It's a husband, wife, and their child, and they get lost. And although they were very close to the visitor center, they couldn't find their way, and they're giving their child the water. As the sun starts beating down, they start getting dehydrated, and ultimately, both the husband and wife died. The child survived, but what a tragic story and as I was thinking about this message, that story came to mind because unfortunately, I find that symbolically many Christians are living that kind of life because we get disoriented by the shifting sands of our circumstances. And so oftentimes as we, we look at the experiences of our life, we almost get lost when what we need to do is look up to the immovable mountain of our salvation and remember what God has done for us. David says this powerful phrase in Psalm 51, 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And we read that and we think, oh, that's so poetic. That's, that's such flowery, flowery language. But David was actually saying this as a desperate prayer in one of the lowest moments of his life. He was saying, restore to me the joy of my salvation to sustain me. We find the context of where he's praying this in the title of the psalm. It's important to read the titles of the psalms because it actually helps you understand what the person was going through when they prayed out this prayer to God. The psalms are prayers to God. And as we look at the top of the title of this psalm, it says, a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Give you a little context. David was the king of Israel. However, he had fallen, slipped into some sin. He had seen this beautiful woman bathing on her rooftop. He lusted after her in his heart. Then he sent for her. He committed adultery with her. He went even further to have her husband murdered. And then he's trying to cover it up when the prophet, the man of God in the land shows up at his house, it's like Billy Graham a couple of years ago, the most known man of God in all the land, showing up at church, pointing at you and calling out your sin publicly. And so this tremendous conviction comes on David, this tremendous humiliation, and he is wallowing in the, the pain of that. And so what does he do? He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know, David didn't just experience this one painful moment. Let me just read you some of the things that, that, that David went through. He was despised by his brothers. He was excluded by his father. His mentor betrayed him. And then his mentor went on to try to kill him. His wife mocked him. And then she turned on him. He was pulled apart from his best friend. Then his best friend ends up dying at a very early age. His team, his mighty men, turn on him and then threaten to kill him. 
He has a baby that dies. Then he has a, an adult son that turns on him, betrays him, and then his adult son is murdered. So he loses another child. Right? In Psalm 51, you, you can feel the pain in his heart. He says this in verse 3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were just at an absolute low? Maybe it's something you've done and you're just saying, My sin is always before me. He goes on to say, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Perhaps there's a moment where you've realized, man, I have done evil. You're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I mean, talk about a low moment. You were like, even when I was conceived, little egg, and I was sinful. That's rough. And, and, and this is a low moment, and so... I find it important for us to lock in on David's prayer because here's the amazing thing. David, this man who had a tragic life, any one of those experiences that he had could send someone into a depression. I, I think just a couple of those experiences would, would make that normal person have a nervous breakdown. And yet, as we study Scripture, we find that David is the, actually the person who introduces us to this topic of the secrets to enjoying God. He was a man that amidst the pain delighted in the Lord. These Psalms like taste and see that the Lord is good. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I desire to dwell in the courts of the Lord. David loved me. I mean, he, he changed our whole perception from Moses being on the mountaintop with God and it's scary and there's lightning and thunder to David going, I God's a shepherd, and he gets a table for me, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How could a man who ex experienced that kind of pain love and enjoy God in such a, a sweet and tangible way? Well, he understood the joy of his salvation. And so today I want to talk to you from that topic, the secrets of enjoying your salvation, the secrets of enjoying your salvation. Uh, prison stories really impact me. So I remember in college reading Night by Eli Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor, and being so impacted by it. And then I've had some friends that have been in prison. If you were at World Mandate last year, you heard D Dana Curry, who was imprisoned by the Taliban in Afghanistan, share. And then if you've been with us for, for a few years, you've heard Dan Bauman from YWAM come in and talk about being in, imprisoned in Iran. And one of my favorite parts of all, all these stories is when they are released. <laughs> That's all our favorite part. But, uh, and and, and so Dan always comes to this part in this story, because I've heard it many times where he talks about being released, and the joy of having these little rights restored to him that we so often take for granted. Like he talks about the joy of getting to walk outside and look up at the sky because he had a, a cement roof and solitary con confinement. The, the joy of being able to eat what you want. The joy of being able to call a friend on the phone and get to talk to him. The joy of sleeping in your own bed. I tell you what, that's one of my favorite joys. I love, my, sometimes at night I'll pull up the covers up to my chin and I'll go, whoo. And my wife, my wife will be like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I love my bed. I, lo I love my bed. The, the joy. Now, I've never been in prison. 
But I, I did miss half of a year in school because of my heart problem, where I had to live in a hospital, and I couldn't go outside and, and enjoy what I wanted. I was confined. I had electrodes strapped to me all the time. I couldn't eat what I wanted. I couldn't hang out with my friends. And I think sometimes we don't enjoy what we have until we lose it. Or let me say it this way. I have heard before that the secret to contentment is wanting what you already have. The secret to contentment is wanting what you already have. And can I tell you that you have been blessed with the greatest gifts in the context of salvation? But so oftentimes we don't realize what we have and we fail to recount it day by day. And so we as Christians who have the most to be joyful about live in a state of sorrow. So today I want to unpack for you five joys of your salvation, five joys for your salvation, so that when the shifting sand dunes of your experiences are disorienting you, you can look up to that immovable mountain of the joy of your salvation and find delight in God. So here we go. And let me just say about these, these are things that I say out loud often. I I thank God for the joys of my salvation because the Bible actually says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. And so when I speak these out, faith rise in my heart. So I encourage you to write these down and to even speak them out. Number one, through salvation, I have the joy of being chosen. Almost every day I speak out loud and I say, I am chosen. Can you say, I am chosen? Now, I don't know if you've ever felt unchosen before. I'll never forget my senior year in high school. It was the day that we were going to take our corporate senior picture. They were going to march us out and put us on the the risers, and our class of 500-plus students was going to stand there and be immortalized forever in the school by having this picture taken. And I show up, and I start noticing these guys, the cool guys, even some of them that I thought were my good friends, they are all wearing the same thing. They've all bought new white t-shirts. And I'm looking at the cool about 30 guys, and I look down, and I've never despised what I'm wearing so much because I just have this plaid shirt on, and I'm realizing they didn't call me. I am unchosen. And I'll never forget walking out, and all 30 of those guys with those white shirts getting right in the center in their shirts, and, and I still can see that picture in my mind because I'm standing on the edge of the 500 people feeling so unchosen. Have you ever had an experience where you felt unchosen? It's one of the hardest things as a parent to shepherd your kids through when they come home and they didn't get chosen for this team or they didn't get chosen for that role or they didn't get chosen by a group of friends. Instead, they were excluded. Can I just tell you that you were chosen by God? Better than getting into any clique in your senior class in Round Rock High School, you've been chosen by the God of the universe. Ephesians 1, 11 says this, in him we were also 
powerful. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I want to tell you, we were just meditating on this as a family just a couple days ago. We've been doing this. I highly encourage you to buy Kendall's book. He just wrote it, The Identity Journey. I think it's the most important book you'll read this year next to the Bible because it's all about your identity in Christ. And it talks about being chosen. And boy, I want my kids to know that God has chosen them. Do you... Here's the amazing thing. Okay, we, we got the statistic given to us by a consultant who did the, the research of our area. Do you know in our five-mile radius from this church building, only 0.5% of people are in church on a weekend? 0.5. Now, we, we are working as hard as we can to change that statistic. But how did you get in the 0.5%? Like, how, wh- why did we get chosen by the king of the universe to know him? and to get brought into a family and get to come to this ex- incredibly fun church. I mean, you're blessed. From the foundations of the world, God wrote your name in a book. I mean, when you walk on the earth and the billions of people to walk around going like, God, you chose me? It's too good to be true. And daily, I say that because sometimes I feel unchosen by my circumstances. And then I go, but I'm chosen to be on the most important team in the most amazing family on earth. Can you just say, you need to remind yourself that you're chosen every day. Number two, through salvation, I have the joy of adoption by the Father. I have the joy of adoption. Now, so many people feel like I'm an accident or I was born illegitimately or my parents didn't want me. Can I just tell you that you're actually adopted by the father? Now, I haven't adopted, but we tried. Stephanie and I tried to adopt. We tried to adopt a child out of Thailand. And I cannot tell you the amount of work we went through to try to make that happen. We filled out papers and we did tests. It was crazy the amount of work just to get the paperwork done. We we drove to the adoptions office. Then we actually, because they said you're too old at 38 at the time, I'm like, come on. And then they said you have too many kids to adopt. I'm like, no, that just shows how good a dad I am. I, and so we actually chased that. We, we went and were banging on doors of orphanages in Thailand, saying, certainly you'll let us adopt. And we were hunting down government employees. Can I just tell you, some of us feel like, well, we just, you know, we just happened in this family and we're not wanted. No, God is on an all-out pursuit. He was filling out the paperwork. He was saving the money. He was heading to Thailand. He was banging on doors. He was like a crazy couple from California just trying to find you, right? That, you're adopted by a father. Do you know that you have the most amazing father who's adopted you? This is what psychologists and sociologists are saying now in the United States, that the greatest problem we have in our country is actually fatherlessness, Listen to these statistics of why the US, U.S. Department of Justice says that. These are from the U.S. Department. Because children from fatherless homes account for 90% of runaways, homeless youth. 
63% of youth suicide. 85% of children that exhibit behavioral disorders. 71% of high school dropouts. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions. 75% of adolescent patients of substance abuse. 75% of rapists motivated by displaced anger. Now, first of all, if you grew up in a home without a father, can I just tell you, you are not relegated to these results because you have a heavenly father that rewrites your story and adopts you and pulls you in and stamps a new identity in you. Furthermore, if you're a single mother in this room, first of all, we commend you for raising your children under the Lord and you're doing the wisest thing you can do by pulling them into the family where there's numerous spiritual fathers for them to look up to and God is gonna write your children's story. But let me just tell you that we desperately need fathers, and even more so, you need a heavenly, perfect father who calls you by name and stamps your identity upon you and gives you a hope and a future. I wake up my kids every day. I want them to know every day that I'm with them. So every day I'm at home, I walk in and I wake my boys up by putting my hand right on their chest. And I say, good morning. I love you. That's the first thing I want them to hear every day. With my little daughter, I, I go in and, and rub her arm. Good morning. I love you. That is how God is every morning, walking into your room and just touching you and saying, I love you. I'm glad you're here. You're adopted. Number three, here's a really good one. Through salvation, I have the joy of going to heaven I have the joy of going to heaven. This is amazing. Revelation 21, it says, the title is A New Heaven and a New Earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will live with him. Can I just tell you, if you have given your life to Christ, there is a day that you will actually stand face to face with him. Like on earth, we don't get to experience that. We, we get to know Jesus, and we get to read his word, and we get to feel his love, and the power of the Holy Spirit's in us. But you will actually have face to face fellowship with Jesus. You actually feel the tangible arms of the loving Father actually wrapping around you. Unbelievable. And if that's not enough, it goes on to say this. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. You know, this week I've had some challenges. This week, I've had some physical pain in my body. One time or another in your life, every person in here is going to have physical complications. Can I just tell you that you're looking to a day where there is no more pain? Now, I, had a, I have a friend right now who has stage four cancer. Can I just tell you that heaven brings me joy because I know that there's no cancer up there. No more cancer. I, I, I've shed some tears over some pain this week. Can I just tell you, there are no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more mourning. When my circumstances are shifting, when I get disoriented because of the pain in my life, and I go, things are not going for me the way I want. See, some of us, when life doesn't go the way we want, we think, well, God's not good. Well, God must not like me. He must not know. Can I just tell you that Jesus actually said that things wouldn't always be good. John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Guys, don't be surprised 
when you have a bad day. Like some of us, I cannot believe I had a bad day. God must not be on his throne. No, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. How about living new, tra- uh, new Living Translation? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How about the ESV? In the world, you will have tribulation. Like that's just going to happen. Well, if God loves me, bad things wouldn't happen to me. Well, what about the cross that happened to his son? Right? That, your bad experiences don't invalidate the goodness of God. But heaven is a reminder that you're heading to a place where you'll be wrapped up in only his goodness. It's going to help someone. Now, if that's not enough, on the really bad days, this is the one I think of. And I'm trusting that you're going to lock in on one of these. I mean, I say all of these, but some of them really bring the joy of my salvation. And for me, this might be the one on my lowest days that brings me the most joy. Through salvation, I have the joy that I'm not going to hell. That really makes me happy. I I don't know if you've read the Bible, but there's this place that's really bad, and it's painful, and and I don't want to go there. But here's the problem. I deserve to go there because the wages of sin is death, and I deserve to, to be punished for my sin. But the great news is Jesus took my place and he paid for that sin so I don't have to go to hell. Well, here's what the scripture says, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 9. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire and with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think that some people aren't interested in heaven because they're like, you know, life is good. I live in San Diego. It's 73 and sunny. I can have all the Cali burritos I want. Like, I don't need to look forward to heaven. Well, if that doesn't motivate you, then just... But the problem is you can't live on earth forever. Do you you understand that every human, according to Scripture, this isn't my idea, this is the Bible's idea, every human is an eternal being that will go to one place or the other. One is heaven in the presence of Jesus forever. One is hell, a painful place of eternal suffering. Now, God is too good to want to anyone to go there, and he gives us the free gift of Jesus. But for those who reject God, God's not going to make them live in heaven with him forever. And so there is a place that was created for Satan and his demons. However, people will end up there, and on really bad days, when my car is not working, on really bad days where I open the refrigerator and there's no food for breakfast. On a bad day when it's raining and people can't drive in the rain. And I'm stuck and I'm running late, right? And, and, and then I come home after a long day's work and my kids ask me for help with their math. I'm talking low days. I go, but I'm not going to hell. (laughs) It could be a lot worse. I'm not going to hell. 
that really restores the joy of my salvation. No, I, I, I'm, I'm making light of something, but when you're suffering, when your body's in pain and your healing's not coming as fast as you want, when your relationships are actually broken, what a joy to know, but I'm not going to suffer forever in hell. Instead, I get heaven with Jesus. Oh, my goodness. That is that unmovable mountain when the sands are shifting that I can look up and say, I'm going to a better place. And I avoided a really bad one. Here's the last one. Through salvation, I have the joy of no condemnation. I have the joy of no condemnation. There's few things that make me more sad than Christians that live in constant condemnation. I'm serious. I meet Christians who just walk around and they're just beat up in their minds. I'm a sinner. I'm no good. I, I, I never do enough for God. I'm always messing up. I can't ever measure up. Do you know that nothing would be more sad for me in my home if my kids woke up in condemnation and they were like, dad doesn't like me. Dad, dad doesn't think I'm good enough. Dad, dad doesn't want to be with me. But that's how so many Christians are with their father. You know, you, you, you think, well, God loves me because for God so loved the world, and I'm part of the world, so God loves me, and God is love, so he kind of has to love me because that's who God is. But you don't think God likes you. But back to that illustration. When I go to wake up my kids, I don't just put my hand on them and say, good morning, I love you. Then I, I look at my little boys, and their hair's all messed up, and their breath is stanky. I, it's like puppy breath, right? It, and, and, and oftentimes, they're, and drool on their pillow. And in that unbecoming state, I put my hand on them, and I say, good morning, man of God. <laughs> it's going to be a great day. Can I tell you that that's how God, like even my beautiful daughter, right? Her hair is like, you know? And I'm like, good morning, beautiful woman, right? It's going to be a great day. That is how God looks at you in your stankiness, in your messed up hair, in your all sinusy allergy, allergy. You know, Hallmark makes people, they're sick and they're so cute. And they have a tissue box and they're cuddly little bunny. That's not how my family is when they're sick. It's gross, right? And God looks at you and says, woman of God, man of righteousness, right? He, he, he's speaking. He likes you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's not there's no condemnation for those who are squeaky clean Christians. It's there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, you went into Christ Jesus. And so when the Father looks at you, he sees Christ Jesus. He sees righteousness. So you're stanky and your hair's messed up and you're a mess. And he goes, I see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how he sees you. So stop letting the enemy beat you up.
and start listening to the truth of God and wake up and say that I have no condemnation today because I'm in Christ. I'm a man of God. Here we go. A few more. I'm not going to give you these, but uh, I'm not going to detail them, but these are pretty good. When I when I want to rejoice in the joy of my salvation, here's a good one. My sins are forgiven. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, how about this? The curse over my life is broken. How about this? Through salvation, I'm not controlled by Satan, but by the Holy Spirit. It's a good day. Through salvation, I have a new family. I could go on and on and on, but I want to tell you, you're going to walk out these doors this week, and there's going to be a circumstance that you're going to look at, and it's going to try to steal your joy. Joy is your inheritance, beloved, but you have to fight for it. And you're going to walk out of there, and there's going to be some shifting sand. There's going to be some dune, or you're going to look around and feel lost, and instead, you have to look up to that mountain of salvation and you have to remember the joy that God has purchased for you. Why don't you stand up? We're going to finish this morning. Psalm 116 says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the name of the Lord. I will lift up the cup of salvation. On the night before Jesus died, he took the bread and he took the cup. Thank you. And it's through what he did on the cross that purchased our salvation. And so one of the great ways to remember the joy of our salvation is taking communion. The pastor's going to pass that. But if you'd do me a favor, if you just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, I think you'll just feel nudged when that plate of communion elements comes by you. But I don't want to preach on salvation and not give people a chance to respond. We had numerous people responding in the last service, if you are not 100% sure that you've received the gift of salvation, if you're not 100% sure you're going to go to heaven when you die instead of hell, I want you to pray this prayer with me because it's a prayer of receiving the free gift of salvation in Jesus. You can just pray this right after me in the privacy of your own heart, but if everyone would just close their eyes, you could just say this, Jesus, I need you. turn from my old life and I embrace you as a gift save me from my sins thank you for dying on the cross for me thank you for rising from the dead for me now put your Holy Spirit in me and let me be born anew follow you forever.